hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm. What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. It's day three of question and answer week. Today's question is about using oral minoxidil to help your hair grow. This question didn't actually come in from a listener. It came from the woman who was getting her hair washed next to me at the beauty salon. The person who was shampooing my hair commented how much thicker my hair was compared to a year ago. And she was right. And the thickness of my hair has almost doubled in the last year. And my hair was always on the thin side. And it got a lot thinner right about the time the rest of me was getting a lot less thin exactly when menopause hit. So unfair. Two years ago, pre-vaccine, I had a bad bout of COVID that landed me in the hospital, followed by a six-month recovery. And like a lot of other people who had COVID, I had significant post-viral hair shedding, and it was really noticeable. At one point, my hair was so thin that following a TV appearance, I got an offer from a free styling from a hairdresser who specializes in dealing with sparse hair. Talk about depressing. I started to embrace hats a little more, and I actually even thought about getting a wig. I spent a lot of time talking to dermatologists and reviewing medical articles on all the things to do to try and get my hair to grow again, or at least stop falling out. And about six months later is when I taped episode seven, Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. I'd personally been doing every single thing I recommended in that episode, vitamins, scalp massage, low light laser, and things definitely improved. For a while, I also tried putting minoxidil foam on my scalp, but honestly, that only lasted a few weeks. It was greasy. It was disgusting. I hated it, and I knew there was no way I was going to keep it up. A few weeks after I released that segment, I was talking to a different dermatologist who mentioned that she often prescribed oral minoxidil for her patients as opposed to the topical stuff that you put on your head. So I did a little digging. Oral minoxidil is actually not FDA approved for the treatment of androgenic alopecia, the hair loss associated with menopause. Only the topical stuff is approved for that. I discuss in episode 65 how things get FDA approved and why it's okay to use things off-label, meaning for purposes other than what the product is intended to be used for. Oral minoxidil for hair loss, perfect example. Oral minoxidil is approved only for the treatment of high blood pressure. However, when people began noticing that their blood pressure was going down and their hair growth was going up, dermatologists, the hair specialists, took a closer look and started to study this phenomenon. There are now over 100 scientific articles on the safety and efficacy of taking a teeny dose of minoxidil to reverse menopause-related hair loss. And if you'd like to check out some of those articles yourself, go to pubmed.com, which is the search engine for medical articles, put the words oral, minoxidil, androgenic alopecia, in the search box, and those articles will all pop up. Now, in these studies, women only needed a very small dose of minoxidil for it to work, like one milligram. But oral minoxidil doesn't come in that small of a dose. 
the smallest pill available is 2.5 milligrams, which means that you need to get the pill cutter out and start chopping. Few things to know. First, oral minoxidil requires a prescription, so you need to get your doctor on board. Second, it doesn't work instantaneously. It will be easily six months until you see some real results. And third, there's that initial period of increased hair loss, so don't panic. And finally, if you stop taking it, your hair growth will also stop. So this is a lifelong commitment if you choose to do it. The number one side effect reported was increased facial hair growth. So that has to be okay with you. You're not going to be growing a beard, but definitely will need to pluck a few more chin hairs and maybe deal with some downy peach fuzz. You may also need to hide the pills from your husband because evidently it works for guys too. So I'm telling all of this to the woman next to me at the hair salon and she was like, practically taking notes. And then she followed up with my least favorite question on the planet. Well, is it natural? After I pointed out to her that the dye that was currently slathered on her hair was hardly natural, not to mention the silicone in her lips and her obvious breast implants. Well, okay. I actually didn't say that, but I was thinking it. I did mutter it to my shampooist who couldn't stop laughing. But that question does make me crazy. This assumption that if something is natural, it can't possibly be bad for you. And it's, you know, true that people tend to feel relieved when a product is labeled natural, which is why you see it everywhere. Food, beauty, beauty products, you name it. I was in a restaurant the other day and the waiter proudly announced that all of their wines were natural. I didn't know that was a thing or why that would be necessarily appealing. But natural does not equal safer. We can all name many things that are natural that are definitely not safe arsenic, anthrax, and strychnine come to mind. I'm not implying that synthetic products are always safe, far from it. But safety is not dependent on if something is natural or synthetic. It's dependent on the effect that it has on your body. In addition, natural products don't always work better than synthetic products. Once again, it all comes down to marketing. While the term natural is appealing to consumers and implies an advantage over synthesized products, there's really only two criteria that need to be met. Is it safe? And is it effective? Period. Low-dose minoxidil to help your hair grow is safe. Low-dose minoximal to help your hair grow is effective. Why isn't it FDA approved? Well, the company that makes it has chosen to not spend the money to put it through that process. And it's really not worth it for them because doctors can legitimately prescribe it off-label. I described the rationale behind this off-label prescribing in episode 66, don't be duped, misleading marketing, and the FDA. So I told my new friend that minoxidil was definitely not natural. What was natural was to progressively lose your hair as you age until you die. What is natural is that your thinning sparse hair turns gray. I think that was the point that she decided she was done talking to me and got up to go have her hair blown. So that's my hair story. I plan on continuing to use my oral minoxidil indefinitely. And I still like hats. Tomorrow's question is about the O-shot, as in the orgasm shot. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my inside information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Bye.
that sometimes I feel blue She helped me see the light Now I'm sleeping through the night I follow 